0: Hello and welcome to Bardcast, the Shakespeare podcast. I'm Carson. And I'm Jeff. And today's episode is about Twelfth Night, or What You Will.
1: Or also known as the best Shakespeare play. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the best Shakespeare comedy.
0: Right, so as you mentioned, this is a comedy, just a straight
1: comedy, nothing yeah. no, exciting no, about it. No, like, genre. No, like, oh, is it a comedy, is it a drama? No, this is a comedy, and it is awesome. Yep. I like this play. I might have mentioned that. mm mm-hmm. In terms
0: of sources, this has a few different things that have inspired it. There is a series of Italian plays called various things along the lines of Iganati and other things that sound like that, that various elements have been lifted from, including names of characters. But it also draws a lot from other Shakespeare plays, which we'll get to in a little bit. There is one thing that is completely novel to this, as far as we know, the character of Malvolio, who is... Uh, pretty great.
1: He's kind of an uptight servant type character.
0: Yep. So, why is this play named Twelfth Night, even though it does not occur during Twelfth Night, and only one character mentions the idea of Twelfth Night for probably as a mention of the title instead of as a theme of the play? Mm-hmm. The thought is that it was for a party set on Twelfth Night. Which would be the
1: twelfth day after Christmas.
0: Right, January 6th. Uh, the This is more of a Shakespearean times holiday than uh, our holiday. I don't think many people celebrate it nowadays. Mm. So apparently also at the same time there was another author who released a play named What You Will so I sort of created a
1: conflict between the two different uh, plays. So Shakespeare probably just added on The Twelfth Night to kind of differentiate them.
0: Right. Okay, so this play is only published or found in the first folio. There's no other source for it. But very fortunately, it's a very high-quality source. Whoever copied this play had what must have been a very well-kept... Performance script from the original source probably it includes significant uh, stage details, and that even gives us hints about how the stage was formed because it says, for example, that two different characters come from different doors, so we know there are two different doors on the stage. Yep. A little bit of trivia about the first folio copy is that after 1606, there was a law in Shakespeare's time to not uh, say the name of God or print the name of God, which for some people they think that the name of God is God, so they edited out times when, in this case, Malvolio would say God and change it to the word Jove.
1: Mm -hmm. Which kind of gives it a more older feel.
0: Right. It also kind of hurts the, the way that some of the phrases work, including, Jove bless you. That's very awkward. So, this is one of those odd plays where if you just go by the original text, you're actually not going by Shakespeare's original intent. Right. Which is an odd conflict that a editor or performer would have. So, There is a theory that we can pin down almost exactly when this play was first performed.
1: On January 6th, a.k.a. Twelfth
0: Night. Right. In the year 1600, since there was a lord named Orsino who would have been visiting England at the time...
1: And, of course, one of the characters of the play is Duke Orsino.
0: Right. So this is very tenuous. I think that we could pretty logically say that the play was performed on a twelfth night, but the Mm -hmm. guess of uh, 1600 is just uh, A a guess. Yeah, we can't say that with confidence. But there is evidence that it was performed by 1602, because that is the first documentary evidence that it exists when someone writes about it in their journal. So, throughout the years, this has been evaluated as one of Shakespeare's very strong plays. Maybe his strongest comedy...
1: Because everything ties together. Like, Mm -hmm. all the subplots are somehow related. Right.
0: We'll get to our own personal evaluations later, but Mm -hmm. critics throughout history have appreciated
1: this both for its characters and its plot. And another thing, it doesn't have a lot of unnecessary characters like some Shakespeare plays do. Right.
0: This is actually a very trim cast and a relatively trim plot. The themes of this play... Gender... Yeah, we've got sort of a Shakespeare's greatest hits for themes. Like you said, gender is oftentimes a Shakespeare mm-hmm. theme. In this one, it's really interesting one because not only do we have the standard Shakespearean cross-dressing, but we actually have a woman dressed as a man kind of standing up for womankind and mm-hmm. saying that our love is as strong as yours and we can... Kind of arguing almost for a gender equality, not really in the way
1: that we would see it now, but sort of. The center Shakespeare woman is mistaken for a man, but it goes a little. Uh, unlike, say, uh, Merchant of Venice, she's not she's not dressing as a man just to you know mess with somebody. Right. She's dressing as a man as kind of a survival mechanism, mm-hmm. and unlike in you know Cymbeline, it's not terrible. <laughs> There's some
0: interesting religion stuff in this play. They refer to Malvolio as a kind of Puritan. Uh, Shakespeare never liked the Puritans because the Puritans never liked Shakespeare, and they hated the uh, know, plays and fun. Yeah, they they were the leaders against the theaters in England. So he takes a shot at Puritans. Someone says that Malvolio is a kind of Puritan, and another character says that he would kill him if that was true. <laughs> And, of course, it's got a little sort of a rehash of our favorite knights in other Shakespeare plays. It's a,
1: we've got a little bit of Falstaff in uh, Toby Belch. Yeah, he's a uh, nobleman who is fat, drunk, rude. Crass. Uh, and also kind of a trickster in a lot of ways. And terribly too. fun, also,
0: yeah. like, a uh, false staff. He's someone that you might want to hang around if you can yeah. tolerate him.
1: <laughs> you know, you'd hang around him, but you'd also know that everything he was doing would also uh, involve, you know, wrecking you, too. Right. Another character also that kind of changes our
0: perception of status, because a knight is a pretty high-ranking person in Shakespearean time, and he is not worthy of that title. The play is set in Illyria, which is a place that I think most modern people don't have any knowledge of.
1: Basically, Illyria is... Kind of the coast of uh, north of Greece, kind of where Albania, uh, Croatia, Montenegro are today.
0: So no longer a state. No, and so just a very small country that. It was
1: a decent-sized country back then, but. Right. It was a province of Rome, and then it was, you know... A minor power.
0: Yeah. A place where Shakespeare could have something exotic happen. Exactly. Like a a place where you'd think, oh, that might be a fun tourist place. Uh, A place
1: that nobody in England knows anything about is the important thing. Well, as we've mentioned
0: before, actually, Shakespearean times you could get quite a bit of tourism. Italy was the hot thing at the time of Shakespeare's time. Mm
1: -hmm. And this was right across the sea from Italy.
0: Right. Uh, He set so many of his plays in Italy because of that. Okay, so the characters. This is a great play for characters. There are very few characters for a Shakespeare play, but they're unusually strong. Yeah. We can kind of divide the play into three different plots, maybe two and a half.
1: Yeah. There's the kind of high plot, right? which is Viola's plot. Viola is... A- a woman who has become shipwrecked in Illyria.
0: Right. And she is a semi-identical twin to her brother, Sebastian. Yeah. They're not identical twins because they're different uh, sexes. But they look exactly alike. Right. It's So, so it's uh. sort of a semi-identical twin. And the high plot revolves around the character of Olivia.
1: Mm-hmm. Who is a woman who both her father and her brother have died recently. Right. And so she is in mourning and basically... She refuses to see men at all. Which is very inconvenient for almost everyone in the cast, because almost everyone in the
0: cast wants to marry her. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, by the way, Viola is going by the name Cesario as a man for most of the play.
0: Right. Uh, We'll generally refer to Viola by Cesario, because it makes it less confusing with Olivia, Orsino, Mm -hmm. and Malvolio also in the same play.
1: Orsino is the duke of, uh, well, Illyria, kind of. It's not, I'm not sure if it's entirely clear if he's Duke of in, to all of Illyria or a Duke in Illyria, but... Not a big deal. Yeah. But he is trying to woo Olivia, and Viola, as Cesario, is working for him.
0: Right. Orsino hires Viola, says, will you court Olivia on my behalf? Yeah.
1: Sebastian is uh, Viola's twin brother, who she thinks is dead.
0: Right. And he has a friend named Antonio who for essentially no reason agrees to help Sebastian even to his own danger.
1: Antonio is a sea captain and possibly pirate. Right. Uh, And then there's the... Much more fun plot. Yeah. That involves uh, Sir Toby Belch who is Olivia's uncle.
0: Right. He is the Falstaff of this play. He's a goof around who is just in it for his own sake to have some fun and to make some money. It turns out that he
1: is actually... Essentially, siphoning money off of Andrew Aguecheek. Yeah, Andrew Aguecheek is basically another suitor who uh, has hooked up with Toby Belch, and Toby is trying to is basically stringing him along, saying, "Oh yes, uh, Olivia will totally marry you. Just keep giving me money."
0: Right. He's being the trusted advisor, giving him advice on how to win over Mm -hmm. Olivia. But there is essentially no chance that this will ever happen.
1: There's also Maria, who is Olivia's. Servants, Yeah. Maid. There's Malvolio, who is kind of the chief servant, the butler. The, he's the uptight one. He is in, kind of controls the household in a lot of ways, especially because Olivia is in mourning and isn't doing anything.
0: Right. And this is the new character that I mentioned earlier. Shakespeare doesn't really have an analog for him in any of the other plays. He's this proud man of low status, and he has this complete unwillingness to accept anything that doesn't fit in his worldview you can imagine him kind of saying in this whiny voice everything that he says, because nothing's working the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. And um, I like to think of him as the stuffy dean in college movies, where the frat wants to do some cool party, and he comes in and shuts out the lights.
1: Mm -hmm. Finally, there's Feste, the clown character. Right. People generally
0: just refer to him as fool throughout the play. Yes.
1: I mean, no one ever directly calls him Feste, but he is referred to as Feste in a side conversation. Right. And he is really interesting because unlike most you know standard fool characters he doesn't really act like an idiot or anything he's actually kind of he seems smarter than everyone else most of the time. Mm-hmm. He
0: talks in a very strange way. He even makes up a few words as he goes, and he talks in a very... Well, that might
1: be just Shakespeare, too. <laughs> that's true.
0: He talks in a very indirect way often. Like, he kind of sneaks around to where he's going and, and kind of pounces on them after making a logical conclusion that seems illogical at first. And he doesn't have as many pure jokes as most clowns. He doesn't just say, like, here is the beginning of the joke, here's the punchline. Right. He kind of shows how silly people are being, with his clever commentary, yes,
1: and he also seems to know everything that's going on sometimes. <laughs> like, and, and it, some of that depends on the version you see. Like, in some cases, he's practically omniscient, and in other cases, he just seems to be really quick on the uptake. And there's a couple other servants too, but they don't matter. Yeah.
0: So the plot. My my summary of the plot is essentially everyone is courting Olivia. You've got mm-hmm. everyone wants to marry there's Olivia. There's
1: Orsino. Yep. Egg cheek. Yep. Cesario, sort of. Yep. Uh, Sebastian. Yep. I think that's all of them. Malvolio. Ah, Malvolio, yes. Five characters. Yep. Uh, and the only exceptions are her uncle. Yep. And various women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Antonio, who's clearly after Sebastian. Right. And that one
0: guy, Z-Captain. Fabian. So. The goof-offery is the true pleasure of the play. Essentially, they play a big prank on Malvolio. Yes, and it's pretty great. There's a neat commentary. I mentioned that in 1602, there's the first record of this play ever existing. This, This guy John Manningham, in his diary, says that there's this play called Twelfth Night, or As You Will and it has a plot that's like all these other plots, these Italian plays or Shakespeare's other plays, even specifically says that other Shakespeare plays that it's like. But then he says, and it has this plot about messing with this guy. Mm -hmm. He spends the majority of his, you know, five sentences talking about how the Malvolio part of the plot, because it's this completely novel thing, and it's this great way that even at the time, people recognize it as something special. So, Act 1. Interesting deal with Act 1 is each scene sort of introduces a different concept to the play. Mm -hmm. Now We've got five scenes in Act 1 and the beginning of Act 2. Each of those six uh, scenes sort of introduces a different idea or a different theme that's going to run throughout the play. It starts out with Duke Orsino saying, If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it, that surfeiting the appetite may sicken, and so die. He's listening to music and he's saying that music fills you with love, then play so much of it, gives me so much love that I lose my hunger for it, because he's so desperately in love yes, that he, he wants well, to kill it.
1: And he's kind of one of those guys who's like, more in love with the idea of being in love than actually in love with, say, Olivia necessarily. Yeah, that's the impression that a lot of people seem to have. Because this. he's never actually really met her. And he doesn't
0: seem all that interested in her. Like, he's very interested in the process of pursuing her yes. more than actually her. So this very much fits that idea.
1: And then he explains a little bit about how in love with Olivia he is.
0: It's it's some very nice poetry. It doesn't work as well because uh, he mentions that he hunts the noblest heart that he has, but unfortunately hearts no longer means dear so it mm-hmm. doesn't really work in the same way. A lot of Shakespeare's
1: yeah, I mean, some pe- A lot of people know that. A still. lot of
0: Shakespeare's puns don't work anymore. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Okay, so that brings us to scene two. We end up with Viola on the seashore. See, she's barely survived yeah. this shipwreck. She says I may be in Illyria but my brother, he is in Elysium.
1: As in, you know, he's dead.
0: Yeah, he's in the Greek afterlife of Elysium. It's some nice poetry. I don't know how you could translate it today because the poetry of it wouldn't work if you say heaven, for example. And the ship's captain says that he did see her brother clinging to the wood of the ship as it was wrecked, so he might still be alive in the same way that she is. So she decides that she will aid the duke who we just met in the previous scene, Court Olivia.
1: Mm -hmm. But she decides to disguise herself as a man because he's a bachelor.
0: Right, and it's also a safer position to be as a yeah. man instead of a woman alone. So, that brings us to scene 3 where to- Toby Belch is helping Andrew Aguchi, who is only good at dancing. At the beginning before we meet Andrew, he says, "Oh, he knows four three or four languages. He plays the instruments and well, and he has all the good gifts of nature." But we quickly find out that he is actually very bad at languages and is kind of foolish. Toby says pourquoi, which is about as basic French as you could have, and he just has no idea what he's mm-hmm. talking about. He says "Accost" which is even just English, and he doesn't follow what's going on.
1: yeah he says Acost, then he assumes that's the name of the maid he's introducing egg cheek to. Yeah,
0: good mistress a cost Toby has a good speech in this. There's so many good speeches in this play. It's just a beautiful play. Andrew Aguchik is dancing and sh- and talking. They're talking about how nicely he can dance. Toby says essentially, "Why don't you dance always? Why don't when you travel from one place to another, you, you dance in one way, and then when you come back, you dance another way? Is it a world to hide virtues in?" I I love that line. Saying like, "We should do what we are good at. We should show the greatest in our lives."
1: Of course, then he goes on to say every time he walked, he would uh, do a jig, and he he would not even uh, take a pee without uh, dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that brings us up to scene
0: four. Viola has already joined the duke. We've skipped ahead, uh, mm-hmm. three days even, and uh, Viola, Cesario, rather, yeah. has joined with the duke and has pledged himself and won, him, won the duke's loyalty already, and has agreed to help court this noble woman. And The Duke says, like, you've got a lot of growing up to do. You look awfully like a woman, in fact. You have no mustache. Thy small pipe, her voice, is as the maiden's organ. Shrill and sound. And all is semblative, a woman's part. He basically says, you look awfully like a woman, man. Mm -hmm. Doesn't really seem to pick up on it at all, just Mm -hmm. kind of teasing him. Right, and by the end of the scene, Viola says, oh, this is horrible. I've agreed to court this other woman, but I want to marry the man. She's already fallen in love with the man who she's helping marry someone else.
1: And then we jump back to Olivia's house with where we meet Feste. Right, this is just great. Everything with Feste is fun in this. Feste
0: is talking with Maria initially with some puns that really don't work because (laughs) the expression, I fear no colors, no longer exists. We no longer pronounce "collars" and colors the same way. And the only really good part is Feste's expression, many a good hanging prevents a bad marriage. But then, uh, Olivia comes in, we have some great banter between them. Olivia, as we know, is in mourning for her family members who have recently died. Good Madonna, why mournst thou?
1: Good fool, for my brother's death.
0: I think his soul is in hell, Madonna.
1: I know his soul is in heaven, fool.
0: The more fool, Madonna, to mourn for your brother's soul being in heaven. Take away the fool, gentlemen. Because she has instructed the men to take away the fool. Yeah. Meaning, of course, Feste the Clown, but he
1: is trying to prove that she is the fool. hmm Then they spend a little bit of time making fun of Toby for being drunk. Mm-hmm. Which he is very much so. And Malvolio is just like, this is not such a good fool. He doesn't like feste or fun.
0: Malvolio doesn't seem to like anyone.
1: Well, he likes Olivia. <laughs> That's true.
0: Olivia asks, how Toby is already drunk? <laughs> how have you come so early by this lethargy? Toby, lechery! I defy lechery! <laughs> mm-hmm. And he explains that our young Cesario is at the gate. So... Toby can't get Cesario to leave. Malvolio goes and comes back and says, I cannot get him to leave. So Cesario is allowed entry. And... Uh, Cesario also has some great lines. Uh, the talk- whole
1: repartee between Viola and Olivia is really good throughout the play.
0: Right. Just this play is just fantastic for its dialogue. We really can't say all the great things that they say. Um, Cesario says, Lady, you are the cruelest she alive. If you will lead these graces to the grave and leave the world no copy, So you're awful because you're not... You're not spreading your beauty, but also you're not creating a copy by having children. Olivia explains, he must understand that I'm not going to marry him. I will not love him. Cesario, if I did love you in my master's flame with such a suffering, such a deadly life, in your denial I would
1: find no sense. I would not understand it. And then, at the end, Olivia says, go back to your lord and tell him I will never fall in love with him and don't send any more people, Mm -hmm. unless it's you. Right. You can come back. And then once she, once Cesario leaves
0: Olivia sends Malvolio after him saying he left this ring here please tell him that this is his I will not accept it and if he wants to come back he can feel free Of course Cesario has left no ring this is merely a lure to bring Viola back because Olivia is already in love with Viola So we've already back tied Cesario. Yeah we've already tied quite a knot here
1: And then we're on to act 2 which does show that in fact Sebastian is alive. Yeah, he was picked up by Antonio, right, the sea captain of a different boat.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is one part that doesn't really work for me, not important, but Antonio uh, says, If you will not murder me for my love, let me be your servant. There's no apparent reason for this, unless Sebastian is a secret king and therefore very uh, charming. There's no actual reason that he decides to help him.
1: Uh, on to scene two, Malvolio catches up with Viola, Yeah,
0: and we have a confused conversation where I didn't leave any ring. But very quickly, actually, Viola does realize the issue, uh, saying... Oh no, she's in love with me. Yeah, how easy is it for the proper false in women's waxen hearts to set their forms... Alas, O frailty is the cause, not we, for how such as we are made, if such we be. Saying that it's so easy for women to fall in love with the wrong person because uh, women's frailty causes us to do so. Which is rather sexist.
1: What? Shakespeare? Sexist? This is shocking news.
0: There is a great conclusion to this scene. Uh, She summarizes how already it's all tangled, and, oh, time, thou must untangle this, not I. It is too hard and not for me to untie. So saying, this is already such a mess, I'll just see what happens. Basically, yeah. I can't figure this out. No one can figure this out.
1: Mm. And then we're back to Otobi and Andrew again. They basically are partying late at night, and Feste shows up to sing a song.
0: They're having just a drunken party, and the Feste is begging for money, as always. They have some interesting jokes about how he has a very beautiful voice, but he has very bad breath. It doesn't really work today again. But, of course, Malvolio comes in because they're singing so loudly. Maria's even pointed out, You're singing very loudly. They'll send someone after you. Malvolio bursts in, My masters, are you mad? Or what are you? Have you no wit, manners, nor honesty, but to gabble like tinkers at this time of night? Do you make an alehouse of my lady's house? That ye squeak out your cosier's catches without any mitigation or remorse of voice? Is there no respect of place, persons, nor time in you? And they just basically tell him to leave. They do not care about his concerns at all. Toby has the beautiful and classic line, Dost thou think because thou art virtuous there shall be no more cakes and ale? Because you are this Puritan that there will be no joy in the world. Because you're so proud and correct that just no one will have happiness. After he leaves, they're discussing with Maria, trying to figure out how to get at him. Right. Maria has an excellence plan, wherein she will leave a secret letter in front of him in a path, and he will read it and
1: take the advice, because he will believe it is from Olivia. Because Maria can write very similarly to, to Olivia's writing. Right. And because he will take the advice, he will act very foolish. That brings us to scene four. And that's uh, Du Orsino and Viola. Basically, Viola saying, uh, she said no, boy. Right the duke is already again
0: wanting to listen to music he's this very much intellectual kind of uh, man who's constantly trying to please himself in this very uh, classy way and then uh
1: feste shows up uh, to their house and sings a song for them
0: cesario has a charming little detail of saying that oh actually i am in love with someone and the duke is asking him about it what kind of woman is it of your complexion she is not worthy, then. What years, in faith? About your years, my lord. Too old, by heaven. So, the person that she loves is, in fact, this man who has very similar mm-hmm. qualities.
1: Yeah, there's a, another song, as you say. Festa has another good bit. Du Corsino you know, pays him and says, There's for your pains. And he says, No pains, sir. I take pleasure in singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the the back and forth in this play is very high level. It's It's just perfect.
0: Yeah, Viola leaves another hint... That uh, she's a woman saying, My father had a daughter, loved a man, as it might be perhaps, were I a woman, I should your lordship. So, my father did have a daughter, she did love a man, and it was like the way if I was a woman, I would love you. Mm. I mean, it it's just a little obvious... <laughs> So this brings us to the Malvolio reading the letter scene. Malvolio enters the scene not having seen the letter yet, already imagining what his life would be like if he had married Olivia
1: or if he were just a count basically. Right,
0: saying that he would say to Toby, which enrages Toby because you do not say Toby, you say Sir Toby. He is a knight. So he's already they're already angry at him like they're hiding behind something and saying that they want to murder him.
1: Yeah, and well Sir Andrew is just enraged at him and Toby's basically holding him back. Mm-hmm. Well, Toby's angry at him, too, for the... Fy on him, Jezebel. uh,
0: Saying that they should shoot him, and fire and brimstone, bolts and shackles, and are having to hold each other back. And Malvolio's imagining what he would do with his lordly air and tell Toby to stop drinking and tell everyone that they should correct their courses. And he, as the head of the household, wears a chain around his neck, which they mention several times that he holds his chain. At one point he says, and I would... Brush my, and he's about to say chain. And then he says, jewelry. <laughs> because he's still... Wouldn't have any. Because
1: uh, there's a great bit where he's uh, saying, he's, he's imaginarily chastising Toby. Mm-hmm. And he says, besides, you waste the treasure of your time with a foolish knight. And Sir Andrew and high says, that's me, I warrant you. One Sir Andrew. <laughs> I knew it was I for many do call me a fool. <laughs> <laughs> and then he finds the letter.
0: Yes, he finds the letter, and the first thing he does is analyze the writing, as we established before, and what he says about the writing is a pun on the worst swear word, and we will leave it at that. He goes over the letter, saying saying out loud what it says, as all people do, yeah. all people read out loud in plays. Yeah. He uh, he deduces that it's addressed to him, because it says M-O-A-I, whose letters are in his name. Yep. And it has these this advice. It says... Treat the people around you as lessers than you, because you will become this better thing. Because some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Presumably, he will have greatness thrust upon him.
1: And I'm sure a lot of people have heard that phrase before. Mm-hmm. Guess what? This is where it's from. Yep. A fake letter in a comedy trying to get a guy to act like a jerk. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's seen as this bit of wisdom, and that's because
0: <laughs> it's very nice writing. But it's written by Maria, not some noble or intellectual. So anyway, the advice is, in sum, wear yellow stockings, which Olivia hates,
1: wear your... Cross-gartered. Yeah,
0: wear yellow stockings, wear your garters diagonally across your legs, which looks very goofy to a modern thing. And he actually complains about it, it impedes his walking. And, oh, and always seem to be happy. Yes,
1: smile.
0: Yeah, which, of course, Olivia does not like because she is continuously in mourning.
1: Plus, it just looks weird on Malvolio. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's very against his own character. That helps their case later on. Maria explains that it's all uh, terribly against
1: him. Toby Marks remarks that he would marry Maria for this uh, prank, and all he would ask for a diary would be another such prank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that brings us to Act 3.
0: So there's some more clowning with Viola. It begins, Viola... Save thee, friend, and thy music. Dost thou live by thy tabor or Which means drum? Yeah. Yep.
1: No, sir. I live by the church. Art thou a churchman? No such matter, sir. I do live by the church, for I do live at my house, and my house doth stand by the church.
0: Right. So not as funny jokes as other clowns, <laughs> I think, in Just general. more kind of punny. Yeah.
1: And kind of tricking people into saying things that makes them seem. Yeah. Silly.
0: That's probably his best pure joke, and mm. it's not all that
1: funny. <laughs> But yeah, he, he's a classic clown in the sense that it's more about wit than humor. He also points out that a sentence is but a glove to a good wit. How quickly the wrong side may be turned outward.
0: Right. You skipped saying that it's a chevroled
1: glove. I don't know what that means.
0: That's a technical term. It's something about the way that the glove is layered. Okay. There's an interesting note about that in that it's thought that Shakespeare was possibly a glover for part of his life. Ah. So he would know this technical term about glove making. I mean, Who knows? That's another one of those things where we just can't say.
1: And then there's some uh, dirty jokes about the clown's sister.
0: Feste has a good line, Foolery, sir, does walk around the orb like the sun. It shines everywhere. In reference to the fact that Viola says, I thought I saw you just a minute ago. (laughs) Because
1: he was there uh, singing last night. Right,
0: and he begs for some more money with some nice uh, wittery. Viola Cesario tells Olivia, Again, you should get married to someone. In particular, my lord some very odd courting to which Andrew Igcheek is watching and saying these are some very strange choices of words
1: rain odors odors pregnant and vouchsafed very odd Olivia makes it much more clear to Cesario that she is totally in love with him Mm -hmm. oh yeah this gets to the point of actually just saying it
0: yeah. Viola complains, By innocence, I swear and by my youth, I have but one heart, one bosom, and one truth, and that no woman has, nor never none shall mistress be of it, save I alone.
1: So again, dropping more hints.
0: Yeah, she's really... Like, if anyone was paying attention, they could tell that she was hinting that she was a woman. Mm-hmm. And Olivia invites her to return at any time.
1: Yep, and then, uh, back inside, uh, Sir Andrew is basically saying, Okay... Look, Olivia's in love with someone else, mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Right, and Toby cannot let this game end, both because
0: it is fun and because it gets him money. Yes. And, exp- and they explain that her hitting on Cesario was simply to try to awake your valor. She likes Andrew, but he's not manly enough for her. You need to prove that you can do something, so you need to challenge him to a duel. Mm-hmm. And so they tell him to go write a letter that can get him into a duel. Yes. And then Maria comes in and says, oh, you'll never believe what Malvolio's doing. It's exactly what we said he would be doing. That brings us to
1: scene three and Sebastian and Antonio. They're walking over down the street.
0: Antonio says, I can't really be seen in town. I have to go hide.
1: Because he's a wanted criminal for piracy. Right.
0: So the only interesting thing about this scene is that they say they're going to meet at the Elephant. And the Elephant is an inn in the play, but it's also an inn in Shakespeare's time, which would have been near the theater. I like to imagine that Shakespeare was paid to put this in the play.
1: They mention it twice. Because mm-hmm. Antonio says, go to the Elephant, and then later he says, remember, go to the Elephant. And they do mention it at least once more
0: in the play. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I like to think that he was paid, but there's no evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, scene four brings us to Malvolio making an idiot of himself, smiling and condescending and quoting the uh, some are born great, some achieve greatness. And, of course, Olivia has no idea what's going on, mm-hmm. finds all of his attitude uh, inconvenient and just against her general nature. She thinks he's crazy now. Mm-hmm. And Maria's already prompted it, saying, Malvolio's been acting very strangely. And so when the goof-off crew of Toby, Fabian, and Maria arrive and kind of bring him to the side and say, like, why are you acting so strangely? And he's still trying to be condescending to them. They use it as an excuse to say, he must be insane. Let's take him to the crazy house. Mm -hmm. Fabian says that this is so strange that if this were played upon a stage now, I would condemn it as an improbable fiction which is the most definitive calling out the nature of a play in any play ever. And after they uh, lock him up, I guess. Something (laughs) about the treatment of the mentally ill, which we'll see in a moment, is that at this time, if you are crazy, they lock you in a prison cell with no light. There is no attempted treatment. They just put you in a box, basically. So this is actually awful (laughs) that they do this.
1: And then uh, Andrew decides, okay, now's a great time to go challenge that uh, Cesario, because I hear he's here coming to visit Olivia again. Right. He's written his letter, which he reads to them. It's actually a very cleverly written
0: letter, because you can't say, I want to duel you in a letter. But it does say, for example, I will waylay the going home, where if it be thy chance to kill me... Thou killst me like a rogue and a villain So never saying that I
1: want to kill you Mm -hmm. Just saying, I will meet you And if you fight me, you are a villain Yeah Fare thee well, and God have mercy upon one of our souls He may have mercy upon mine But my hope is better, and so look to thyself Thy friend, as thou used him And thy sworn enemy Right, so, it's actually very clever Like, this part
0: is actually very Well done Mm. I guess it's Andrew's other skill so they say, okay, we'll get this duel set up, and then Toby says, I'm not actually going to deliver this letter. I will give it in- verbally because I want to convince him of some other details. Mm-hmm. Toby uses this as an excuse to tell both sides that the other one is terribly dangerous and would ha- be completely able to kill them. And the idea is to terrify them both. Yeah. But he says to both of them, they're not going to kill you unless they get carry- like, carried away.
1: Yeah. Just try not to make him angry. Right, exactly.
0: But they've agreed that they're not going to try to murder you. So neither of them thinks that they're going to get murdered, but they do th- both think they're going to get beaten terribly. Because neither of them are actually much of a
1: fighter. Yeah, and Toby and Fabian are just going back and forth between them saying, I'm sorry, I gave him all your apologies. And he just says, he- he's so angry right now. Yeah, neither of them... Will accept the other one's apologies
0: because they're delivered through Toby and no one actually hears the apologies. Mm-hmm.
1: And and they both they both neither of them want to fight at this point. They're both cowards. They're both begging to get out yeah, of it. Andrew says, Look, I'll give him my best horse. Just get me out of this. Viola mm-hmm. points out that
0: a little thing would make me tell them how much I lack of a man, which is another pun. Right. So they're about to have a duel when Antonio comes back, and Antonio comes to who he assumes is Sebastian. his friend Sebastian, but in this case is our Viola Cesario, and says, I need that money I lent you. I really need it right now. <laughs> and Viola has no idea what's going on because, of course, she's never met this man before. And pointing that out, Antonio is disgusted. He's more <laughs> angry that he doesn't, that he's being betrayed, than his is going to jail. He's going to go to jail, but he's more concerned about the fact that this person has completely abandoned him after all that he's done. Oh how vile and idle proves this god. Thou hast, Sebastian, done good feature shame. In nature there's no blemish but the mind. None can be called deformed but the unkind. Virtue is beauty, but the beauteous evil are empty trunks, or flourished by the devil. I I really like that line. That's yeah. beautiful. And then
1: Viola's like, Huh, he thinks I'm Sebastian. What could that mean? Right.
0: She doesn't say, Huh, I should do something to help that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who is so betrayed by me.
1: But then she realizes, Oh, wait, that probably means he's alive. Uh, Viola leaves, and Sir Toby is talking to Andrew. Oh, well, I guess he was a coward after all. Mm -hmm. Next time you meet, punch him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) No harm can come of that. Beautiful. Act 4, we reach the
0: opposite of what happened just a moment ago. Uh Sebastian has been approached by the clown, who thinks that it's Cesario, and says... Okay, you need to come with me to go see Olivia. And Sebastian, of course, has no idea what's going on. And so they have this big argument. Andrew shows up, reproaching him for his cowardice and smacks him. And Sebastian goes nuts Mm -hmm. and just starts beating on Sir Andrew. And Toby wrestles him to stop him, but he gets some hits in first. And Andrew is outraged and wants to sue him. Mm -hmm. Very much fun.
1: And then Olivia shows up and says, Why are you fighting? Yeah,
0: why are you being so terrible? <laughs> she's apologizing to Cesario.
1: Sebastian. But she thinks it's Cesario. Yeah, yeah.
0: So she's apologizing to Sebastian Cesario. Be not offended, dear Cesario. Rudesby, be gone. <laughs> and if Rudesby is not a modern word, it really should be. That's fantastic. And so apparently Rudesby af- refers to uh, Toby, Andrew, and Fabian because they all leave. But oh, man, I
1: love that word. And then she like says, come on into my house, we'll Yeah, talk more. She continues to court Cesario. Cesario,
0: who is now Sebastian. And she says, oh, come with me, please love me. And Sebastian basically says, uh, I don't know what's going on here, but it sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. He says, basically, is this a dream? If it is a dream, let me keep sleeping. Right. She's a pretty lady, it works for me. This brings us to scene two where Malvolio is in prison in this way where he cannot even see the outside world. He's just behind a door. In the yeah. in the play sense, they would just be standing next to a door or a box, and they would just be shouting in and out. And so the clown, Feste, has dressed as a priest. And so his what he's going to do is pretend to be a, himself, and he's going to pretend to be this priest to play
1: more of a prank on Malvolio. Yeah. Basically, they're trying to convince him that he has been... Uh, convicted of being mad, and then they're going to execute him. And trying to convince him that he
0: is mad by saying things like, Oh, there are enormous windows in this yeah, room. Yeah, what do
1: you mean it's dark in here? Yeah.
0: And so he's just crying out at the injustice of all this. At one point, Maria, after the entire priest impersonation, says, Thou mightest have gone out without thy beard and gown. He sees thee not. They yeah. dressed up for a closed door. Mm-hmm. And then
1: uh, Malfolio gives them a letter for Olivia.
0: Right, he's written this letter. Uh, Please beg for my freedom with this letter. Mm. Brings us to scene three. Sebastian.
1: Basically, Sebastian agrees to marry Olivia. Right. He doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) But it seems like a very good deal. Yeah,
0: he couldn't find Antonio at the elephant. He is completely willing to marry her if that's what she's going to offer.
1: (laughs) And then everyone suddenly starts showing up from everywhere. It's
0: act five. In act five. Act
1: five has only one scene. Mm-hmm. It is enormous. Basically, Duke Orsino finally decides to come himself and court Olivia. Right. And, uh, the clown, you know, stops him and messes with him for a little bit. Begging for money, mostly. Yeah. Uh, Cesario shows up says, Hey, that's Antonio. We should let him go. Right. Or, he, he helped me earlier when I was fighting Sir Andrew.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a minor detail in this scene. They mention that it's been three months since the shipwreck, and everyone who's ever looked into that has pointed out that it's absolutely impossible that three months have passed. doesn't matter. Just an interesting detail. Antonio is, of course, outraged that he was denied. And then Olivia shows up and is like, Oh, Cesario, you just agreed to marry me. Great. And, of course, this is the wrong Cesario who has never gotten married. and.
1: Duke Orsino becomes furious with him. Mm -hmm.
0: And Olivia just assumes that Cesario is being modest and doesn't want to offend the Duke. And so just, come on, you're with me now, you're safe now.
1: And Cesario Viola just has no idea what's going on. And then the priest comes over and says, oh no, I remember, I just married you two. Just now. And then Sir Toby and Andrew come out and are like, oh my god, it's Cesario, he just attacked me, brutally.
0: Yeah, he just (laughs) bloodied Toby's face and broke Andrew's head across. So, apparently, there's been yet another fight where Sebastian beat them even worse than before.
1: And then Sebastian shows up mm-hmm. apologizing for, you know, hurting people. And Toby says,
0: pointed out points out that he hates a drunken rogue.
1: Yeah. And then he sees Antonio and says, Antonio, why are you locked up? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? And then, of course, they see each other. Aww. Uh-huh. And And basically, they are like, uh, you know, I have a father and a sister. Right. I don't have any... I don't have a brother
0: says Sebastian yeah and uh, Viola, despite all the hints, doesn't remember that her brother is alive. So they both have this kind of, well, my father was named this, and mm-hmm. my brother was born on this no, day. It
1: could also be just a, you know, uh, that, like they both realize it, but they're kind of just confirming it. Right. And there's
0: just sort of a beautiful poetry in it. Yeah. And
1: they're, they, you can give the excuse that they're shocked. And of then course. you finally find out, actually, for the first time in the play, that Viola's name is Viola. Right. Until now, she's just
0: been referred to as Cesario, mm-hmm. which is partially why we refer to her as Cesario.
1: And then everyone realizes, oh, okay. So here's what's going on. Let's get the right twin with the right person, and then we can have some weddings. Right. Even
0: though... Essentially, Sebastian and Olivia have never met before. They still agree to go ahead with the marriage. Even though Viola and the Duke have only met before under false, wrong gender pretenses, they agree to get married. I think that one can work a lot better. Yeah. And it turns out that Maria and Toby have agreed to get married in the background, which Mm. works perfectly.
1: And then the letter from Malvolio is pulled out, and Olivia's like, I don't understand what he's talking about. He keeps complaining that I... uh, did horrible things to him Malvolio is summoned
0: he gives the letter they sh- she says oh this is Maria's writing and they say oh it was a big prank we confined him to solitary confinement as a joke tons of fun and Malvolio has one of the best lines ever I'll be revenged on the whole pack of you. And then he leaves. Yeah, and he's just gone. That's his last line. Mm-hmm. And then, uh. They say, oh, summon him back. Let's. All is forgiven. All is well.
1: Plus, he's the only one who knows where the sea captain is.
0: <laughs> but there's never any actual resolution to that. They just say that they will apologize to him.
1: Mm-hmm. And then at the end, Feste has another song, which, uh, can be interpreted in different ways depending on who, uh,. Right, right. I think that having
0: a strict literal interpretation is just a waste of time. Mm -hmm. One thing is that he actually does address the audience saying that we perform these plays and we hope to please you. Mm -hmm. A lot of the plays of this time have this sort of signing off saying we hope that we please you, we hope to please you again. And Mm -hmm. one thing that he says, we hope to please you every day, people suggest that maybe this means that there actually were regulars who went to the theater every day. Yeah, that's a possibility. It would be a pretty big chunk of change for any ordinary person at the time, considering the income and the cost. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the end of the play. Obviously setting up a sequel Mal- where Malvolio returns <laughs> to get revenge. Probably yeah. one of those lost plays, I assume. Yeah.
1: So, there have been a lot of different ways to interpret this play over time. Cause... Right. I've heard
0: people say there are four different ways to play Malvolio alone. I I mean, I couldn't even think of how you could
1: explain that, so that's not... <laughs> okay. The characters are so rich. Yes. You can play them as being truly in love, falsely in love. Mm-hmm. You can play it as a more serious play, kind of. like right. A lot of the interpretations I have heard about are much more serious. Right. Even the one we saw, like they still have the, the background comedy is mm-hmm. so very funny, but the love story is very seriously played. Right. I think that's a mistake, but... Yeah. Uh, the version I saw in Stratford-on-Avon, it was a very funny play. They only... Big problem I had was that uh, the understudy was playing Sebastian, so he looked nothing like Viola. <laughs> that does hurt it a little bit. Yeah, it seemed a lot like Feste was in love with Olivia in that version.
0: Oh, because there was one character that wasn't in love with Il- exactly. Olivia, so you've got to make him in love with Olivia too. Yeah,
1: and they just it, it and it, it worked pretty well. Like they're very close. Exactly, and it, it, they just added a couple of longing looks uh, every now and again. I think I prefer it as a non-romantic thing, but I'd have to see it mm-hmm. to compare it. But th- it, that was a great fest day, and their Malvolio was really good. Uh, I could take or leave Toby, their Toby Belcher egg cheek, but right. and their Viola and Orsino were a great pair. I think that the Toby and Andrew are weaker characters, which is part of it. They add a lot to the fun part of the
0: play, but right. they don't add a lot to the main part of the play. And as characters, they're not as interesting
1: as fest day. Yeah. Or... They're kind of one-note wonders.
0: Yeah, but they are they are very much fun. Yes. As you mentioned, we d- did see the movie with a lot of big actors in it, actually. It has um, Helena Bonham
1: Carter. The bi- I mean, the, the one thing the movie did excellently was have a really similar-looking Sebastian and Viola.
0: Oh, yeah. They had a super-annoying introduction. Yeah, where they just add some lines that Feste is narrating. Yeah, I hate talking in a movie, but I was literally yelling at the movie at the beginning of the movie, because they have a narrator who's talking in pseudo-Shakespearean dialogue that is not from the play, they have people add lines that in this kind of Shakespearean dialogue not in the play. They have this really obnoxious narration that sets up what the idea of the play is. People learn what the story is when they watch the story. You don't have to tell them And it's then they going cut out happen. a bunch too yeah and they added this war plot that went Didn't nowhere no. They not not make sense sense. the they had goofy hats. Like, well, the goofy the beginning hats okay. of the play is a huge drawback yeah, But the rest of the, 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 the movie, movies movie actually really works. Yeah, especially the dual scene. Yeah, they did that very well. They kept the energy of it going, this kind of inexorable, both of them are trying to beg to get out of it, but they just keep amping it up against each other, and it gets mm-hmm. faster and faster. Throughout history, this has been a favorite. It's been performed countless times. Yeah. All the great Shakespearean A lot of screen actors. adaptations. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. This is a really big play. Mm-hmm. So, our personal takes on it. I really liked it. I really like the text. I have a thing where in the play I will mark passages that I like. This is an extremely marked up play. All sorts of stuff that I couldn't get to during this. Just Shakespeare's poetry really shines through in this play. Mm -hmm. Like I've said throughout, a lot of the jokes don't really work because of Shakespearean English not being modern English. Nothing
1: we can do about that today. Yeah. I gotta say, I love this play. It's my favorite Shakespeare play. or Definitely my favorite comedy. Possibly my favorite Shakespeare play. Mm -hmm. Feste is great. Mm -hmm. At least in the version I saw, he was my favorite character. Not so much in the movie version. Right. But... Good actor. Every, yeah, everyone else is great, too. I right. mean, when you've got Gandhi it, it, playing a character, that's
0: something. Yeah, it's a great
1: ensemble. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, when you talk about the characters, I guess I didn't really mention that. The characters in this are so rich. Mm-hmm. They're so great. I think and part of that is because there aren't t- too many
1: of them, so right. you it's get actually plenty of time with all of them. it's pretty
0: small cast. Mm-hmm. They're very detailed, and you can really get a lot of depth out of them. Yeah. So we're no longer going to talk about news... Or the comments that we've had during these play episodes, because they're just so long.
1: So we're just going to put those in the mini-casts we have between episodes. Exactly.
0: And so we should have one of those much sooner than we would just have another Mm. formal episode. Yeah. And our next formal episode is about Measure for Measure.
1: That's another one of the comedies.
0: Uh, You can help us out by reviewing us on iTunes, and if you want to leave us comments, which we will talk about in the next episode, if you want to tell us something that you think about Measure for Measure, especially. Or Twelfth Night. Right. Uh, you can tell us that at bardcast.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next time.